Helps to start on the first slide too, doesn't it? How's that? This is your church. How will you make it better? This church um, was launched on the 15th of February. Um, can I have a show of hands who, who were here on that first day? Okay. Wow. All right. So uh, nearly everybody, yeah. And if you're here today, this could be your church. This could be your church. But uh, certainly for those here um, that were here on the first day and, and still remain now, this is your church. How will you make it better? It's, it's really uh, early stages for this church. Everything's forming. You're starting to get to know each other. Some of you know each other already from Ballina, the Seacoast Church. But uh, essentially, you can make it essentially what you want it to be. You can make it as good or as bad as you'd like it. Wow, what a responsibility. And uh, each member of the church carries that, that, uh, that responsibility, I believe. Uh, everyone expects the pastor to um, be on fire for God, to, to give his life for Christ, to live every waking moment in the service of God. But do you know what? God expects that of every Christian, not just the pastor. <laughs> and so uh, pastors fail. We're, we're mortal like the rest of you. And uh, uh, Jesus calls us to be the church, so... We can, we can make our church what we want it to be and, and if we follow God's plan for the church, then it's going to be awesome. There's no reason this church can't be the biggest church in Lismore or Ganelabar at least. Uh, there's no reason. There's, there's how many thousand people in Lismore? Um, like it, it's in the tens of thousands, right? There's a lot of people who need to know Christ. Why can't they be here? So um, the culture that we set, I think, uh, who was it? Um, was it Alan spoke about culture a couple of weeks back? Yeah. So, so we can culture your culture of your church determines who can come. So, if someone walks through those doors and they feel uncomfortable, that what what is it that's making them feel uncomfortable? You know, who are we going to be to those people? When Jim opened it up on the first day, he said there was three basic foundations of this Arise Church and how it gets its name, and the first one. Uh, there's uh, two scriptures, one from uh, Psalms and one from Isaiah. And the first one is, let God arise, his enemies be scattered. And so it's basically saying we, as the people of God, recognize that God wants to rise up in this place, in, in this city. And so we, we're getting ready for that. We're um, giving God the first bit of us, the most important bit of us, um, to let him arise. And then God says to us, arise, shine, your light has come. So it's basically saying, God, God says to us, I believe in you. You're the one that's going to make a difference. And the last part was the wayward story um, from Luke. Uh, sons arise and come home. Fathers arise and welcome their in, them in. The, the young son, he, he took his inheritance, ran off, spent it all, and then came to his senses and returned home. And so that's about the people that used to walk with God now coming and returning back, arising and returning back to God. The fathers arising and welcoming them home. And uh, that can be the men in this church. And, and ladies, you know, you can be a mum to someone or a mentor to someone or um, grand, a grandparent, a grand mentor to someone. <laughs> and uh, there we go. All right, so I thought we'd just go through uh, maybe some roles that are in the church. The concept is that there's different roles, but each of us has equal value. Equal value, different roles. Okay, He gave some to be apostles. So if we were to look at 
Maybe Jim coming from Seacoast, he's like our, our apostle to this church. Cool. Uh, some prophets, prophets carry a message from God. They, they speak it out, what God's telling them, and they say that to the, the general body of Christ. They just say that to the people. Some evangelists, so people, those are people that just go out and just blab about God and say, God's so good, you should just give your life to him. He's everything you need. And they, all their focus is, is to, to draw someone else into God's kingdom and, and have them accept Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Uh, and then some pastors and teachers. We get listed last, but that doesn't mean it's any less important. And a pastor comes from you know, that pastoral word about sheep being in pastures. And uh, so the pastor is like a little shepherd. Jesus is the chief shepherd and I'm his little shepherd that looks after a few of his flock. And uh, that's pretty cool. It's a big responsibility, but it's pretty cool. And teachers as well. So there's a, uh, I believe there's a, a good teaching foundation for this church. There's uh, a sense in which um, uh, Jim's wanting the, the church to be really firmly grounded in the word of God and, and understanding of, of what God has for us. And the whole idea of the, all of these different five people is, is for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry and for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. Okay, so we can be equipped and built up. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things him who is the head, which is Christ, from whom the whole body, joined together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share and causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. That's a big mouthful, isn't it? Essentially, if we can imagine Jesus' body torn for us and then Jesus saying, hey, guys, you are my followers. When you come together, you actually reform my body, if you like. It's just, just an analogy and don't read too much into it. But if you can imagine Christ being torn apart, but each one of us representing a part of Christ, and when we come together and meet as a church, we represent his body. Uh, in other places, it calls us the bride of Christ. Uh, so there we go, part of God's, Jesus' body. Now I'm going to quickly jump into the Old Testament for a little while. And God sets up things in the Bible so that the first things that happen are the precedents. Uh, so if you're studying law, the first things that happen are the precedents. Oh, you've done law, haven't you? And so uh, we're going to flip back into the Old Testament, have a little quick look too at uh, what, what can go wrong, and then we'll do the opposite of that. Here we go, Ezekiel 33, verses 3 and 4. Uh, when the watchman sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. If the watchman sees the uh, sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned, the sword comes and takes any person he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. It's basically saying, if we, that was in the old days, if you had to, to look after the city, you were the watchman. If you saw the enemy coming, you'd have to blow your trumpet and that would wake everybody up. They'd make, make a change, get themselves ready for war, out they'd go. But if the, 
the God didn't blow his trumpet and the city was taken, who, who gets to carry the, the weight of that guilt? It's the watchman. Okay, so the watchman might be the prophet in your church. The watchman might be the pastor saying, hey, I've noticed this. Do you think you need to change something? <laughs> and we can uh, accept uh, what the watchmen in the church have to say. Because basically if they don't say something, then um, our blood would be on his hands. If we do say something then, and people don't listen, well, that's their, that's their bad luck because they've been warned but they didn't do anything. Moving right along. Role of the shepherd and pastor in Ezekiel 34. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. This is something and go wrong, prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and you clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. What a rotten shepherd. <laughs> Shears the sheep. Where's the woolly jumper? Which is the woolly jumper? This is um, um, spun by my grandfather and, so, and uh, knitted by my mum. How's, how's that? So this um, was spun about, uh, I think I saw my grandfather doing it, so it was spun about 40 years ago, this wool for this jumper. Anyway, I'm, I'm not saying I'm one of them shepherds, all right? So he goes on to say, The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick. You haven't bound up the broken, or you haven't brought back what was driven away, or sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. And so they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the beasts of the field where they were scattered. That's an example of what not to do in church, okay? Where the pastor doesn't go out looking for others and bringing them in and, and uh, the people don't carry that same heart. So not going to be like that. Okay, the role of the church members, okay? So this, this is also in part of the deal is the role of the church members is to be kind to each other. And uh, this is something that has gone wrong in the past. So Ezekiel 34.20, the Lord says to them, Behold, I myself will judge between the fat and the lean sheep. So there's going to be church members, they're going real well and doing fine for themselves, but they're not helping the skinny ones, the, the ones that are not doing so well. Because you have pushed with side and shoulder, uh, get out of the coffee line, I'm in first. Butted all the weak ones with your horns and scattered them abroad. Therefore, I will save my flock and they shall no longer be a prey and I will judge between sheep and sheep. And so that's basically saying in church, be kind to each other. <laughs> no pushing and shoving, no fighting for over this. Oh, I, I should get to do this. Oh, no, I should get to do this. And, uh, and looking after each other because God will actually judge that. Okay, moving along. The role of members is to hear and to do and to be involved. So we're going to go backwards a chapter, Ezekiel 33, 31 and 32. So they come to you as people do. They sit before you as my people and they hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. Indeed, you are to them as a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument, for they hear your words, but they do not do them. That's talking about... The people listening to the, um, the guy bringing God's message, hearing it, going, yeah, that's cool, pastor. That's a great message. But they're not taking that and doing something with it, not making the life application to put that into practice. All righty, how are we doing? Everyone's good? In James it says, you know, if, if you have 
faith, let your works show your faith. Uh, otherwise, you're just fooling yourself. Okay, so there's um, different roles that we can have in the church. Uh, in Acts 6, verses 2 to 4, there was a food bank going on. And the uh, apostles were involved in the food bank and, and distributing of food. And uh, there was complaint that, you know, certain people weren't getting enough. And, and uh, there's some cultural differences going on as well. And, and uh, so in Acts 6, verse 2, the 12 summoned the multitude of disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve on tables. Nothing wrong with serving on tables, but doing it at the expense of studying God's word. And you're a pastor or a teacher then you need to change what you're doing. Therefore, brethren or brothers, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. So we look there. What is the criteria for being a good leader? Full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom. And so we can increase our wisdom. We can, we can read up on what it is that we're about to do and find good ways of doing it. Uh, I don't know if you've seen on the internet um, TED Talks. Has anyone come across TED Talks on the internet? Some fantastic um, concepts uh, where people just kind of share. They've made some, had some success. They've got some ideas worth sharing. And, uh, and so they do the TED Talk. And they're supposed to have 18 minutes to deliver their message. And I'm so glad that I don't have only 18 minutes today. So we can be full of wisdom. We can take um, knowledge and then apply it, and that's, that's counted to us as wisdom. What about the other part, full of the Holy Spirit? Isn't that awesome? That, that's part of the two requisites, smart in the head but also caring in the heart, going for God, loving Jesus, loving the Holy Spirit and being led by him because unless we're led by him, all the wisdom in the world is not going to really help us. Okay, moving along. 1 Timothy 5 verse 17. This is part of church life is to honour your pastor. So I'm not going to be your pastor. Everyone goes, <laughs> But you will have a pastor. The, the concept is, is that this church will have a pastor. and, and uh, So you want to honour your pastor. It says, let the elders who rule be counted worthy of double honour, especially those who labour in the word and in doctrine. And uh, it goes on to talk about money as part of that honour. And, uh, and so if your pastor's wanting to do, uh, take the church in a certain direction, the best thing you can do is go with him. Either leave the church or go with him. Give him go, go wholeheartedly or just leave. Uh, but but do, do something because I've seen churches where there wasn't such a great pastor, but because all the people got behind the vision that the pastor had, the church was a raving success. The pastor wasn't all that crash hot. I'm talking about my own church here. <laughs> but the church being successful because the people got in and honoured the pastor and said, yes, we believe you have a vision from God and we're going to work with you in that. And so that's your choice is to get behind the pastor and go, hey, pastor, I don't understand how this is all going to work, but it sounds good and uh, let's do this. How, what part can I play? What can I do in this that would be um, helpful? And so we can honour our pastor that way. This is early days for this church, so this is coming to you at the right time, this message. Right up front. 1 Peter 2, verses 1 to 5. Be involved. 
Okay, therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Coming to Jesus as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. So each one of us is a living stone. And and I put some stones around my pool this weekend and uh, they um they there was probably about, I don't know, maybe a ton of stones that I've shifted this weekend. And uh, they didn't carry a lot of life in them, you know what I mean? They were just rocks. They were hard. They were unforgiving. They were loud when they clacked together. But we as a church are living stones. So in other words, we've got some substance about us. We've got some solidarity. But not only that, we're living. And so we've, we're stones with choice with stones that have an ability to interact with other stones and be part of a living building. Imagine the church has a portable building um, that wherever they meet, that's where the building is. Uh, a, a church of living stones being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Does anyone had a thought about what spiritual sacrifices might be? Hmm. I thought, if I'm going to share this, I better have a think about that before I go into it. A spiritual sacrifice might be your time. That could be a spiritual sacrifice. What about your prayer of faith? Could be a spiritual sacrifice. Uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's a bit hard when you first go to pray for others. I don't know how you, how you go about that, because you're not in their situation, you're not necessarily feeling what they're feeling but to pray for others with faith is a spiritual sacrifice and uh, we can offer that to God Uh, we can offer ourselves to God that's a spiritual sacrifice God I make myself available to you right now Uh, what about our preparation time it can be a spiritual sacrifice where we actually go okay I have a life issue I'm going into the word of God to discover what I need to do about this life issue that's going on for me that can be a spiritual sacrifice. Preparation time um, for maybe thinking, what about this church in a month's time or whatever when they go to start a children's ministry? Has anyone thought about that? <laughs> Has anyone thought about who's going to be involved in that? Like, you're the church members. You're the ones that are going to that possibly will be involved in that. So uh, part of your spiritual sacrifice might be some prep- preparation time, learning some some Bible stories and being able to unfold them to some children. Wow, what a, what a concept. I did a great little um, storytelling class, and it changed my life. Uh, there's three principles in storytelling. It's called the CAN method, C-A-N, CAN. And the story that you tell must be clear to the listener, accurate in the sense that you're actually not changing the word of the word of God, you're changing, not changing the sequence of things, you're keeping it accurate, but also natural. So clear, accurate, natural, can. And uh, the way that we were shown, we just grab a piece of paper and divide it in half and half again and half again. And so that gives you 16 little storyboards. And then you go through and read a little Bible story and draw yourself a cartoon for that part of the scene and do a do storyboard for the whole thing. And then, because you've got pictures, you have to then have to put your own words to it. And so you've got a sequence that's right. Um, you can make notes where, you've, where you're putting in 
the details of the story and then you can start telling a story and it's, it's going to be in modern day language because you're not quoting it straight out of the Bible. It's going to be understandable to the listeners. And one of the best things I ever did was um, take up the uh, call to do um, scripture teaching in, in school. And there was an outgoing pastor from our town and uh, they, they rang me and they said, can you do my scripture classes? And I went, okay. And I promised God that week that I'd take any opportunity that he gave me. So I had to say yes. And uh, about seven years later, it really started to come into its own and take on a, a whole um, sense of um, favour over the church in the schools. And, and it really took on a life of its own. So uh, I was very thankful for that opportunity, but that can be one way that we can be involved is children's ministry, youth ministry. Um, there's lots of different ways we can be involved. 2 Corinthians 8, 6 and 7. And this is about taking on someone else's heart for the church. And so whoever your pastor is going to be, he's going to have a certain heart for the community. He's going to have certain things that, that he's passionate about that you can take on board as well. It says uh, in 2 Corinthians 8, 6 and 7, We urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. As you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. And then jumps on to say, but Thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus. And so Paul had this guy, his name was Titus, who went, you know what, Paul, um, I'll go as your messenger. I'll carry your heart to these other people and, and, and I'll bring back some word from them. I'll take, I'll take your words of encouragement. I'll take your letter with me when I go. And uh, Titus had the same heart as his pastor. He had the same care for others as his pastor and, and that's something that we can take on board and, and take to our town and we can multiply the effect of our church in our own town, in our own city. And so there's that, that care factor that, um, that gets multiplied out. And each me- if each member of the church does that, wow, if you're all carrying the same heart for the people, that's going to change your, your town. Here's some ministries you might get involved in. Children, youth or red frogs, because you've got a large university here. You might get invo- involved in taking red frogs um, around, to, um, especially orientation week, different times like that where students are fresh on the deck and they need a friend, they need someone they can just talk to and uh, you can be there for them. Uh, uh, special religious education in schools, you might even just say, well, look, hey, I'm not really good at articulating stuff. Maybe I can go on the safe churches team because I've really got a mind for procedure and protocol and how we can make our um, church a safe place for vulnerable people. So you might do that. Uh, you might get involved in missions. You've got Pat and Deb over there that are off to Vanuatu and various places, uh, Port Vila. Um, and so if you want to get involved in missions, you can hook up with these guys and say, yeah, hey, we want to support your ministry. It might not be that you even go, but you might give them money for that. Um, small groups. You know, you might not be able to have time to get ready for a small group, uh, you know, prepare a study for a small group, but you could open your home and invite someone that does like to teach and they can come to your home and do a small group at your place. And, uh, or you could be a member of a small group and, and give support to someone else uh, in that group. Serving, set up and sound. Who, who knows that this takes about 
at least an hour to set up on a Sunday morning. Okay? So if Luke comes to you and says, hey, I've noticed that you um, seem to be a fairly intelligent person. Would you come and help me set up the sound system on a weekend? You know, come, come here, help me set up the gear. And if Luke approached you, what are you going to say to him? Yes. Because <laughs> he hasn't chosen you just for no reason at all. He's chosen you because he thinks you're a bright, intelligent person and you could help with that. Fantastic. Luke, you do a great job, mate. Awesome stuff. Uh, and, and the same with serving communion, setting up the tea and coffee table. Maybe you're someone that can cook. Maybe you think, I can't really serve in any other way, but I can cook. You know, we have ladies in our church, and some of them don't have hardly any income, and so they'll just bring, they'll go into a shop with some cooking ingredients, and uh, they'll just bring us the docket, and we pay for the ingredients, and they do the cooking, you know? So even if you haven't got the money, you can still serve and, uh, and, and make it good that way. Hospitality, you can supply food, you could be part of a music team. Um, and I'm sure uh, as time goes on, there'll, there'll be some involvement from more local people from this area that, uh, well, they'll be carrying it in the end, don't they? They'll be doing the whole thing. But I appreciate you guys coming across from, from Ballina this morning. That's awesome. Okay, so that, to wrap up, it's, it's your church. If you're sitting here this morning, this is your church. How will you make it better? Understand that we all have equal value with God but we have different roles. Not to fight over those, but have different roles. Be kind to your fellow sheep. Look after the thin ones. Honour your pastor. Carry that earnest care, the same care that Titus had that was carried from Paul. Uh, Carry that earnest care for the church and also be actively involved in your church. And uh, I bless you all this morning. We're going to um, come around... Uh, a time of communion now. We're going to share some bits of bread and some juice that uh, symbolically represent Jesus' body and his blood shed for us. And uh, if you don't normally take communion, um, don't today unless you want to be, yeah, come on up, unless you want to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we have anyone that, that says, hey, I don't have that relationship with God. I can't see anyone that I would, Say that about this morning. And as we partake of this bread and this juice, the bread, if we can imagine the bread going into us and being ingested by us, and take that symbolically as taking Jesus into ourselves and being part of his body and belonging to this set of believers in the world. Wow. You know, this this is... This is God's best option for this little area of Ganelabar. This is God's best option, and you're part of that. You're part of the solution for somebody else. Thanks, Pat. So as we take that that, um, bit of cracker, we're feeding on Jesus, the bread of life, his body torn for us, and we're feeding on him symbolically. We're not cannibals with... Symbolically feeding on the life of Jesus. We take this little bit of juice that represents his blood that was spilt for us, that he became a sacrifice for the things that we've done wrong and his blood was poured out so that we could be washed and cleansed from everything we've done wrong and give us a new life in him. Thank you, Jesus. Just partake at your own time.